Longgate Hymnals tonight. Turn to page 52. Page 52. everybody you good everybody good come on everybody good fantastic wonderful jason got promoted to a boot he's in a boot now broke toe in a boot that's good man good deal everything's good you bet fantastic wonderful joy quit hurting him would you just quit hurting him so uh, monday and tuesday i was in nashville one of my least favorite places in the world to be but i was there for an international missions board meeting uh, we met, had a great board meeting. We uh, approved a new uh, missionary. This guy's name is Philippe. He is uh, from the Ivory Coast. He was raised in the Ivory Coast, saved there, pastored many churches, started many churches. He has felt called to be a missionary. And this is the first time we've ever approved a foreign missionary, someone who is culturally out of the United States, to come to the United States as a missionary. Are you with me? This guy is from the Ivory Coast. He feels led by God to come to the United States to reach refugees and unreached people's groups from Africa who are in the United States. That's pretty awesome. 
Uh, he's coming over here and going to start out at the Free Will Baptist Church in Russellville. That's just down the road from us. So guess what? Not, not too awful far in the future, we're going to have Felipe right here to talk to us. Isn't that great? It's amazing what God does. So give God a big hand. He's awesome, does great things. And he's going to do some awesome things in our service tonight. We're going to sing a couple more songs. I have a devotion slash sermon I want to share with you. And then we're going to take a field trip. Y'all like field trips? This is going to be an awesome field trip. We're going to go in the new worship center, uh, make a circle, sing a song, and have a prayer. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? All right. Why don't y'all stand up? Y'all sing better when you stand it up. Before Virgil leads us in this next song, turn around and say hi to somebody. Turn to page 317. Page 317.
guess that's okay. Y'all let's sing one more time. Turn to page 653. Page Virgil and Fran, a big hand. They certainly help us on Wednesdays and appreciate them and their commitment. Well, it's our turn. It is our turn. If you hadn't got one of these bands, you know it's almost too late, but you could, you could wear it for a few more days. Pick one up if you don't have one. Do what? You could wear it three years. There you go. I love that, Miss Angie. So uh, wonderful. Good deal. This is our uh, last week of the campaign, so Sunday is Commitment Day. Uh, I'm asking families, if you're a family, you yourself are a family, right? So pick up one of these if you don't have one. We have some out at the Connect counter. It's a family meeting guide. It just kind of guides your family through talking about and praying about what your commitment to It's Our Turn can be. Um, then this coming Friday at 5 p.m., we, we start the 24-hour prayer vigil. Miss, Miss Karen told me all the slots are filled right now, right? Fantastic, wonderful, good deal. Well, but more people can sign up. So, you know, we're, we're going to take anybody who's willing to pray, right? So if you would like to do that, see Miss Karen before you leave tonight. And I appreciate all of you who are going to come and, and pray for an hour. Uh, man, it means so much. Thank you for those who fasted today, uh, whether it was one meal, two meals, or all day. 
Thank you for your fasting as we pray about our commitment to It's Our Turn. This Sunday, April 25th, we're going to turn in our commitment cards. Uh, you were mailed one. Hopefully you've prayed about it and have filled yours out. If not, we'll have plenty of them here. In fact, they'll be on, on the seats when you come. We're going to have a unique way of turning those commitment cards in. So you just pray about what God would have you to do, and, and I know that will be uh, enough to reach our goal. And then the following Sunday, which is May 2nd, it's our first fruits offering. And I'm just asking every family to pray about what they could give on that day as their first gift in this three-year campaign. I think it'd be awesome if we took up just a, a big offering to help uh, pay for this building, wouldn't you? Yeah. Okay, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah. So guess what I'm going to talk about tonight? How about, how about it's our turn, all right? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to squeeze it for all it's worth, and, um, and I just want to share with you a passage that has been on my mind and in my heart for the last few days, and then we're going to take that cool field trip. I've got a picture I want you to see. Uh, if we can throw that picture up there, if we got that picture. There it is. Wow. You see that horror? It's a horror movie. Okay, do y'all see? Can y'all see that? Are you getting it? It's a horror movie for the, the pig and the chicken. How many of y'all had bacon and eggs this morning? No, you didn't because you're fasting, right? Maybe you're going to eat bacon and eggs in the morning. I love bacon, crisp. I like mine crisp. How about you? Crisp, burn almost. And I uh, love my, my eggs. There is a contribution by both the chicken and the pig if you're going to eat uh, bacon and eggs. The chicken is only making a contribution. The the pig's all in. <laughs> the pig is all in, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, he's going all the way with it right there. And uh, I've been thinking about that as we've done It's Our Turn. Yeah, yeah, wh where am I? Cer certainly we want all of us to be contributors, but how many of us are really all in, 100% into what God is doing and what God wants us to do? Well, that's my passage for tonight. It's Genesis chapter 6. You know this story, and uh, all day when I've, been, when I've been preaching this in my head, I've been calling Noah Jonah. Have you ever done that? The, the message is on Noah. So if I say Jonah by mistake, you just shout out, Noah! Okay? And it, hopefully it'll correct me before the end of the message. Here it is, Genesis chapter 6. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What, when was this written? April 21st, 2021. Uh, and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. And that is exactly what God did through the flood. You know, th this story in Genesis chapter 6 is horrific. It really is frightening. Um, I have read little kids' book. In fact, I just walked through one of the nursery rooms before I came in here. And sure enough, we've got a, a, a Bible back there that tells the story of Noah and the ark. And they're, they're such furry, cute little animals getting on that ark, you know? Even, even the crocodiles getting on were smiling, right? But they, 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 were, they were so happy, and it was so 
Folks, it wasn't like that. This was a tragic story. This is a horrific story. Men, women, boys and girls were dying. And Noah had to spend months in a boat with stinking animals. There ain't nothing fun about this story. Are you with me? I mean, it is a real story, a tragic event. But the next verse, verse 8, says this. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I love that verse. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Real quick, I'm going to share four things about Noah that I think are important for us tonight. Number one, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Exactly what the verse says. What was so special about Noah? Why was it that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord? What was special about Noah? Nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. He simply heard the voice of God and he responded. That's it. In verse 9, it tells us that he was a righteous man. To me, that's kind of intriguing. What was it that made him righteous? Because the Bible tells us elsewhere, there is none righteous, no, not one. So how was it that Noah was the only righteous man on the face of the earth? Well, I believe it's because he responded to God's offer of salvation. Now, I know his salvation is different than our salvation, but God offered him salvation, and he took it. And he was a righteous man, and he found grace in the eyes of God. Number two, Noah was chosen to be a channel of salvation to others. Noah was not only chosen himself for salvation, but he was chosen to build an ark that would become a vehicle of salvation for everyone who believed and listened. Now, that ended up only being his family, of course, but the point is that God's grace toward him was not intended for him only. He was to be a channel of grace where God would pour his grace through Noah and into the lives of other people. Number three, Noah had to dramatically rearrange his priorities in light of God's grace to him. After this announcement... There was no way in the world that Noah could go on as life had been. Everything changed when God spoke to him. Imagine the difference from this point on when Noah looked out his door at his world that he lived in. Every person that Noah saw was headed for destruction. He saw that now. He knew where they were headed. The house that he had built with his own hands was soon to be destroyed, never to be seen again. All of the stuff that he possessed, and I would think back in that day, if he had it, he probably either made it or somebody he knew made it for him, but everything he had, all of his furniture, his cart that he pulled around with his oxen, all of his, everything that he had would soon be gone. Everybody he knew would either be saved in the ark or they were about to be destroyed in that flood. Just like that, his perspective on the world changed. 
Now, I've never been told this, and I don't know that I'm ever going to be told this, but I've, I've wondered, how would my life change if I was told I only had six months to live? I don't know. I don't know if I'd go Rocky Mountain climbing or try to ride a bull named Fu Manchu. That's a good song. That is a good song. Y'all know that song? Live, live like you were dying? Yeah? Dude, I preached a sermon and they played that song and man, I was, I was all right, cool. It, it kind of made a good transition for me to preach a good sermon to those people. But anyway, you know, everything in Noah's life changed when God told him that. Number three, Noah was grateful. Or this is number four, isn't it? Number four, Noah was grateful. If you fast forward this story to the end, after God had sent the flood and saved Noah and his family, Noah exits the ark, and the very first thing that Noah does is offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. I find that interesting for a couple of reasons. The, the main reason is this is the first thing that Noah does that is not in direct response of something God told him to do. Throughout the story, what characterized Noah and God's interaction is this. God commands, Noah does. God commands him to build the ark. He tells him how long to make it. He tells him how high to make it. He tells him when to get on. He tells him when to get off. And Noah does exactly what God tells him to do. The sacrifice, however, was Noah's idea. This is Noah taking the initiative. He overflows with gratefulness, and he wants to say thank you to God. God, why have you shown this grace to me? God, why have you been so good to me? I just want to thank you for saving me and my family. He was grateful. Church, I think we are in a similar place to Noah. What do I mean by that? Well, these four things, let me just correlate them to Kavanaugh Church. Number one, Kavanaugh Church has been graced by God. I, I don't know why, but the evidence of grace is everywhere at this place. You can go all the way back to 1962. Man, I come in here sometimes, I just look at that poster over there and I think, man, what a, what a man of vision. Thank you. Thank you so much. Brother Shipley, for, for sacrificing and working so hard. Thank you so much. But you know what? God's grace was on this church back in 1962. And all through the years, all through this timeline, God's grace is still on us. Why? I don't know. I'm not bragging here. I'm just telling you the facts. I listened to Tom Rainer. He's an authority on, on church growth, church movement, church uh, revitalization. Uh, this December when I was at one of his conferences, he made the statement that if your church runs pre-COVID 600 or more, you are in the top 8% of churches in the United States of America. Let that compute for a second. If your church is 600 or more, you are in the top 8% of churches in America. You know what we were running pre-COVID? 600. He said, the end of COVID, which we're in now, if you're running 400, you're in the top 8%. 
Last two Sundays, we've been 408, 439. <laughs> I'm not bragging, but you know what? Kavanaugh Church is in the top 8% size-wise of all churches in the United States of America. Now, we're not massive. We're not a mega church, but you know what? We're blessed. It's amazing to me. Why? What was special about Noah? Nothing. He just listened to God, did what God told him to do. What's special about us? Nothing. Nothing. The only thing I can come up with is that there has been one generation after another generation of people at Kavanaugh Church who have said yes when God has told us to do something. One group after another who was willing to step up to the bat and say, you know what, it's my turn. And they were willing to swing the bat. We're blessed. Number two, Kavanaugh Church has been given a very clear mission. Like, like Noah, we've been given a mission. Noah was given a mission, so have we been. Jesus summarized our mission in Matthew chapter 28. You know this verse. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. We believe that we are here to reach the river valley and the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. And like Noah, we've been given something to build. Now hang on, you think I'm going somewhere. I'm probably not going there yet. But Noah was told to build a ark. When Jesus left, you know what he told us to build? My church. Whenever God wants to do something on earth, he gives people something very specific that he wants them to build. He didn't say to Noah, oh Noah, I'm about to send a flood and destroy the world. You figure out a good way to avoid it. <laughs> no, he told Noah to build an ark and he gave him very precise instructions. The church is the New Testament equivalent of the ark. Are you with me? You will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I don't want to overstate this, but yes, I do want to overstate this. God left one institution on this earth when Jesus went back to heaven, you know what that one institution was? It's his church. You can summarize the apostles' approach in Acts as to going to strategic cities and planting churches. They did not start soup kitchens or hospitals or orphanages. They planted churches. Now, there's nothing wrong with soup kitchens and hospitals and orphanages. In fact, those things should naturally birth out of the church. But Jesus planted the church. In the New Testament, the local church, I've heard this and I think I've shared it with you before, 
is like an aircraft carrier. You see, the battles an aircraft carrier wages are not supposed to happen on the deck of the aircraft carrier. If that happens, there is a big problem. The battles happen out there. Planes are equipped on the aircraft carrier and they're sent out to the battle. So I wonder, how do you see your church? Do you see this church as a cruise ship? Or a battleship? Or an aircraft carrier? Kavanaugh Church, like Noah, we know that God's selection of us was not simply to save us, but to make us a channel of salvation to the river valley and to the world. We're not building a cruise ship for Christians here. We are building an aircraft carrier for believers who are sent out into the real world to share the real news of Jesus Christ. And that new building over there is just a vehicle for us to use to see the kingdom of God grow. Number three, this mission that God has called us to requires a radical reorientation of our own priorities. Noah's adjustment was not just a a slight adjustment. It brought a whole new way of looking at the world to Brother Noah. The mission Jesus has called us to is not just a slight adjustment in our lifestyle. It is a whole new way of us to look at the world. The mission is urgent. What God has called us to do as a church is not something we can just sit back and and wait till a more convenient time to do it. Paul said in Romans chapter 9 that he was in anguish every day for lost souls. I think that was Noah's condition. I wonder, do we see the world that way? I know that we, if we had a vote tonight, every one of us would vote by saying, yes, I believe the gospel. But do we really believe the gospel? Do we, do we understand the urgency that needs to be coming along with that belief system? I know that your mouth says that you believe in the gospel. But what about your priorities? What about your lifestyle? What does your giving say you really believe? Kavanaugh, the the urgency of the mission demands that we not huddle up, holding hands, and just sing kumbaya as the world dies and goes to hell. Now, we're about to go over there and make a circle, but we won't hold hands, and we will not sing kumbaya, all right? Jesus shed his blood and offered us the power of his Holy Spirit so that we could make a difference in this world. And it's not just a contribution that we are to make. We are to be all in. All in. In every aspect of our life. This, this this is not just something you come and do on Sundays. This is life. What this church is about is the most important thing in the universe. Our world is in a mess. America is in a mess. And this right here is the only thing that can save us. Hmm. Number four, we do all of this with a grateful heart. 
Noah was so grateful for God's salvation that when he got off that boat, he offered up his own sacrifice of thanksgiving with his own volition. You see, this story points beyond itself. This story is a preview of what we find in the New Testament. Jesus is the ark. Jesus is our ark of safety. And and it's Jesus that keeps us safe from the destroying wrath of God. Jesus drowned in the sea of God's wrath so that we could be lifted safely out of it. Jesus is our ark. When, When Noah got out of that boat, he started a new creation. Have you ever thought about that? started with him and his family. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he also began a new creation. Not just of new families of people, but new kinds of people. Those whose hearts have been transformed by Jesus' resurrection spirit. So if Noah was grateful for the salvation provided by the ark, how much more should we who have been saved from God's wrath by Jesus our ark spontaneously erupt in gratitude and sacrifices of thanksgiving for everything God has done for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So here's my question. It goes back to that first picture. Are you all in? I mean, really, are you all in? Stand there with me in Brother Noah tonight. Look out your doorway. What do you think Noah saw when he looked out his door? He he saw a city that he loved, neighbors that he loved, playing with their kids, going to work, going about their everyday life. They, They were just thumping along, doing life as normal. They just didn't know. They didn't know what was about to happen. They were ignorant of it. How could he do nothing when he knew the truth? How could he do nothing when he knew of God's salvation? Man, how can we do nothing? And and what would be too much for God to ask us to do? I don't know. But whatever he asks you to do, he equips you to do. So let's cross the line tonight and say, God, God, you can count on me. I'm all in. I am. How about you? Lord, help us to be all in tonight. All in with everything we have. Our time, Lord, I pray that we'd give it to you. Our talents, you gave them to us. I pray that we'd give them back to you. And yes, Lord, even our treasure. I pray that we'd be willing to lay it all on the line for you and your kingdom. That we would step up to the plate and that we would do our part and it's our turn. Thank you for what you've done in the past. Thank you for what you're doing right now. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in the future. It's in your name I pray. Everybody said? Hey, let's take a field trip. Y'all want to? This is going to be cool. Let me give you a few instructions and then we're going to do this. Uh, We're going to go to the sanctuary, the worship center of the new building, 
Probably the best way for you to get there is to go out one of these doors over here, either this hallway door or the door in the Welcome Center. Walk down the new sidewalk, and then the doors are open into the uh, sanctuary. Got two different sets of doors open there. Just walk in, make your way into the worship center, follow the the trail. Don't don't dally around, okay? Don't don't fellowship too much. Let's get over there because when we get there, we're gonna we're gonna make a big circle in there. You don't have to hold hands or anything. If you want to keep social distance, you can do that as well. But once we make the circle. Uh, we're going to sing a song. Miss Angie's going to lead us in a little tune. She's picked one out. It's on her heart. She's got it. We're going to sing it, and then we're going to we're going to pray. All right, because nothing happens without prayer. So we're going to see some things happen. You ready? Let's go. Come on. Hurry. Run. Go. <laughs> <laughs> 